Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Get your Bibles out. Open them to the book of Proverbs. We are in week four of this series on prayer. Is it helping anybody? Is anybody enjoying the series we're in? I hope you... Are you reading Proverbs? Anybody reading through the Proverbs? Good, good, good. I hope that you are, and I hope that you're getting some out of it. If you've missed, go back and catch one of these uh, sermons on YouTube. You can catch up in this series. I hope to help you today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for God's Word. Thank you for the presence of God I feel today. God, I pray that you'll speak to my heart today. God, this book is more than a collection of good ideas or stories. It's spirit and it's life to me. And so I open my heart today to God's Word. God, I I know my level of expectancy is such that I'm going to leave here better, changed, encouraged, challenged, inspired, with my head held a little higher. I'm going to leave here better than I came. In Jesus' name. And everybody shout amen. Come on, shout amen. Teach your kids how to preach with the preacher. You need to teach them how to worship. I'm already preaching, so you can amen. You need to teach them how to pray. They need to see you cry. They need to see you raise your hands to God. They need to see you jump up and down every once in a while like you really care about. They need to see. They do, and they need to hear you amen the preacher. You know why you, know why you amen? Two reasons why. I'm, I'm, this ain't even mine. All this is free. That video not playing got me anointed. I'm just telling y'all. You know why you amen? The two reasons. The first one is is because you receive the word of God for yourself. The second reason why we do it is because you give the person beside you permission to receive God's word for them. Amen. You know you do that. You really do. You give somebody else their man because they're thinking I don't know about this or I grew up just very quiet and still. And but I really want that word he's talking about. And when you when you amen God's word, you're not talking to me. You're saying God, I believe that I receive that for me. And you give somebody else permission to do the same thing. Can I get a good amen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, I'll preach. Our theme verse for this uh, this series, if you haven't been here, uh, Proverbs four says it like this: Wisdom is Supreme, it's above everything else. Everything else you could get from God is secondary to wisdom. Let me say that again. After salvation, every other thing you could ask God for is secondary to you asking God for for wisdom. I'll say it like this. The person who wrote this, Solomon, he could have asked God for riches, and he could have asked God for wealth, and he could have asked God for prosperity and and for, for victory over his enemies. He could have asked God for all of that. But he didn't. He asked God for wisdom. And the Bible said because he asked for wisdom, God gave him everything else. I'm not certain, but it could be the reason why you're lacking some stuff from God. is because you're asking for the wrong things. I want wisdom. It's supreme. Get it. And it may cost you all that you have. And there are people who are in church today and at Church Online who... You, you know what this is like to have loss in your life because you, you chose the right way. You may have lost some friends. You may have lost some relationships. You may have lost some, some opportunities. You thought, man, I thought that was the right way, but I prayed about it. And I, I asked God for wisdom. And when I got wisdom, I had to let that go. 
if, if it costs you everything, the Bible says get understanding. And we talked about wisdom not being knowledge, not being in your head, but it's applied. It's, it's, it, it only works when you apply it, all right? It, it only, a paint can sitting beside the barn doesn't turn the barn red. Paint only works applied. Are you with me, everybody? And wisdom only works applied. You, I can preach God's wisdom to you, and if you don't apply it to your life, if, if Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday you're not living your life in this wisdom, then you didn't really receive wisdom. It may be knowledge up here, but wisdom is applied. So we've been talking about how to apply different wisdom to our life, looking at the book of Proverbs. If you're new today, you picked the perfect day to be in church because I'm going to preach to you what I consider probably the, the overarching um, uh, message of my ministry. Now, 20, in, entering into my 22nd year of vocational ministry, just celebrated 21 years in ministry, 21 years married, by the way, 21 years. Yeah, that's a big deal. Big deal, and she deserves that, not me. That hand clap, not me. I didn't mean she deserves me. I mean, she deserved the hand. <laughs> Anyways, 21 years, 22 years. I, I, I can tell you, this is probably the message I preach more often than any. And if you stick around here for just a couple of weeks, you'll probably hear something like this. One of my favorite Proverbs I'll go to today, you'll find it in Proverbs 29, near the end of the book. I'm reading out of the message translation of the Bible, the message paraphrase of the Bible. It says this, if people can't see what God is doing. King James says it like this. I have a King James Version Bible here for all you real spiritual people so that y'all think I'm really, really deep if I open up my King James like this, you know. It says Without, where there is no vision, if you don't have vision for your life, the message says if you can't see what God's doing, you stumble all over yourself. Just a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity uh, to gather with a group of pastors from around the country uh, in southern Wyoming. And I've never been to Wyoming. And I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but I'm not much of an outdoorsman. But um, I, I had the chance to go on this trip a couple of years ago in Montana. This year we were in Wyoming in a more remote uh, uh, a lodge and, and, and camp than we were in Montana. I mean, remote, like I was two and a half, three hours away from cell phone signal, okay? We, we couldn't, we had no Wi-Fi. I had, kids, listen real close. I had a, there was one phone in the lodge and it was a landline. Y'all remember this? And it was just for emergencies. And I only used it once to call Brandy because I forgot to give her the, like the landline number. Like if there was an emergency, I forgot to tell her. Your, your boy was disconnected, okay? I was up in the middle of nowhere. And, and being the outdoorsman I am not, uh, there was a lot to do outdoors. And so one of the things we did, we had a counselor there, and, and, and we would do you know, some, some group counseling because even everybody needs somebody in their life. Can I hear a good amen? Everybody needs somebody. And so there's 14, 15 pastors. We're able to let our hair down and... We're able to do what I tell you to do in a small group, and that is take the mask off and, and really say, here's what I'm going through, and here's, here's what's going on in my life. And uh, I needed that, not because of y'all, but people in 9 o'clock service drive me crazy. So. so anyways, so every morning we would get up and go hiking, and we were already at 8,000 feet of elevation. Now, you could tell by my stature, I like to stay low. Come on, somebody. <laughs> 
I like to stay a little lower than that. And so I was, all, I mean, it's just walking around camp is tough. You know, I mean, it's, the air is a little thin. But when you go to hike another 1,500 feet up, I mean, it gets real thin, you know. And I'm bent over just, <sighs> I mean, I'm blue as a smurf. I'm giving it all I got to get through. But the hardest part, the hardest part about it was, uh, there's a couple of guys, we, if you didn't pack hiking boots, I mean, there was, it was a rocky terrain. If you've ever been there, my first time, and we're, we weren't on a path. I mean, there's no, we were just scaling the front face. Well, we were almost bear crawling up the front face of this, of this mountain and, and over sage brush and all, this, all the rocks. And we would, we would trip. So it wasn't so much the climb that was hard, it was the falling that hurt. Now look at me. It's not so much faith that's hard, it's the falling that hurts. It's not so much following Jesus that you find difficult, it's all the stumbling around I do. And the Bible says if you don't see, if you can't see what God's doing, you'll end up living your life stumbling around this mountaintop of faith, trying to get your feet under you. Don't raise your hands, but maybe that's where you're at today. Feeling unsure of your foot underneath. Like, I don't even know if this marriage is going to make it. I don't even know if... If, if this career's, I, I, may have, I may have parked my ladder against the wrong career and now I'm climbing a corporate ladder. I don't even want to be on this mountain. I don't even want to be here. And you're stumbling around. The Bible says if you don't see what God, if you don't have something that God's put on the inside of you, you'll live your life stumbling around. But I love the Bible because it always gives you a but. always gives you a, but there's another way. There's a better way. God's way is this. If you'll attend if you'll listen to, if you'll apply what God reveals, you need to underline that in your Bible, what God reveals to you, then you can live what I think is God's plan for your life, and that is the most blessed life. I don't think it's God's plan for you to always be stumbling around. I don't think it's God's plan for you to always have stumbling in your marriage. Are there times that are rocky? We even call it rocky, yeah. There are times. I don't think it's God's plan for you to always to have a stumbling in your faith. Are there times it's hard? You bet there's times. But I don't think it's always God's plan for you to have this. I don't have my feet. Un I think it's God's plan for you to decide, God, what are you revealing? I'm going to apply that to my life and I can get up. And I, it may not be perfect, but I want you to get up every day of your life saying, I don't have it all together, but I'm the most blessed person I know. Can I get a good amen right there? Our marriage is blessed. My kids are blessed. Our home is blessed. This isn't the car that I want. I want a new Bronco. I'm just putting it out there, Lord. If anybody's a Ford dealer and you want to bless your pastor in Jesus' name. I want, but I'm going to drive this. I'm blessed. This is not the house I want, but I'm blessed. This is not. I just don't want you stumbling around always. I want you to find out, you know what? I'm living God's best life. And when I live what God reveals to me, it's the most blessed. Can I get a good amen? I recently turned 40 years old. Hold your applause. I recently turned 40 and my wife bought me a book about men turning 40. Whatever. 
And I reread a quote I had written. It's, it's very helpful. It's written by uh, two pastors and, and talking about midlife. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to not blow my life up. You know what I mean? And so I, l- l- leaders are learners, so I'm, I'm always trying to get better. Is that all right, everybody? So, but I, I reread a quote that I had read before in this book. And it said this, it, almost verbatim, it said that when men in their 40s, specifically men, they gently close doors to rooms that they may never, never reopen again. In other words, there are times in your life, especially around the middle of your life, when you start saying, I guess this is over. I guess I don't really have enough dreams left. You know, I thought I was going to walk in this room. I thought this was going to be the way. But I think I'm too old and I think I've passed by. And you may be here today and you may be thinking the same thing. You, you may not be 40 or, or, or you may be 50, 60. You may be in your 20s, but you've still thought, you know what? I don't know if that ever is going to happen. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to walk in wholeness and healing. I think I'm always going to have this addiction. I don't know if I'm ever really going to get after. I don't think I'm ever going to get over that hurt of my past. And you'll start closing doors and you'll stop dreaming God-sized dreams in your life. If you don't hear anything else I tell you today, I want you to hear this today. God, the God of the universe who created you, who knit you in your mother's womb and knew you before. The God who sent His only begotten Son to die for your sins. That God, the God who created all the cosmos and holds them in the palm of His hand. That same God has a crazy, amazing incredible dream for your life. Look into my eyes and receive it from me. God still has a plan for you. You don't know what I've done, Pat. It doesn't matter. God has a plan for you. You don't know how bad it is. It doesn't matter. God has a plan for you. You don't know how far I've gone. It doesn't matter. God has a dream for you. God, matter of fact, the Bible says it like this, that all the days of my life are written in his book before one of them came to be. In other words, somewhere in heaven. I always think heaven has a really big library. Somewhere in heaven, there's a book, a leather-bound book, and on the edge of that book is your name, Kevin Clariner. And in that book is all the days of your life before you lived one of them. And i got to tell you, this is not a sleepy kind of novel. This is is a novel full of adventure, full of amazingness, full of blessing, full of incredible experiences. How do I know that? Because Jeremiah 29 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and give you a bright future and not harm you. That's God's plan for your life. But somewhere along the way, we all stop dreaming. Jesus says it this way, I have come. John 10 and 10 says, I came that they can have real and eternal life. Now that's a life to come. But God doesn't leave you in the life to come. He says, I want you to have something here. I want you to have a more and better life than you could have ever dreamed of. How many of you have a good imagination you feel like? Anybody feel like you got a good... As kids, we had a good imagination. I'm a kid of the 80s, and so we didn't grow up. My kids are growing up in a digital age. You know, they're never going to know a time without cell phones and and iPads and, and, and computers. And it's just a, it's a very different world. I didn't... We didn't have an iPad. We had an outside. Y'all with me on that? Everybody know where I'm talking about right there? And we didn't have much. I grew up in southern Arkansas, and that doesn't mean anything, but... 
it may explain my accent. But anyway, I, uh, we, we didn't have a whole lot. I remember I have a little brother who's three years younger than me. We grew up playing in the dirt with mama's spoons. Come on, somebody. Like, we, I mean, that's where we was. Like, we didn't need much. We just needed a box and a blanket and a bath towel. And your boy was a superhero, okay? I was time traveling. I mean, I, we didn't need accessories. Listen, when you're a child and your imagination's running wild, you don't need all the accessories. But the older we get, the more accessories we need. Well, I need this car. I need that truck. I need this house. I need this relationship to make me whole. I need more money so that I can do and buy and impress people I don't even like. <laughs> I, need, I need all this other stuff in my life. And at some point in your life, our God-dreamed future becomes more about me than it does about Him. Now instead of, instead of me having a, a life that God has revealed to me, now i just got my life. And maybe you're a dreamer. Everybody's a dreamer. Everybody has an imagination. God put that on the inside of you. The Bible said that, you have, that man has eternity in his heart. There's a dent in your heart the size of eternity. God put dreams and future and plans and purpose on the inside of you. But somewhere along the way, you lost your dream. And you may be at church today or someone shared this with you, this message online. And you may be saying, Pastor, you don't understand. My dream is dead it's gone it's dead I've closed that door I can't do it anymore I don't think I don't think this is ever going to live again and if you don't hear listen if you don't hear something else hear this if your dream is dead today you are in the best possible place that you can be if you feel like the dream that I once had is in the, everywhere in the Bible, anytime somebody gets something big for God, their dream had to die. Imagine Daniel who goes into captivity. He's the prime minister of all of Babylon, but he's in a lion's den to begin with. You talk about a dead dream. I'm, I'm look, you're looking at being lion's lunch. Come on, somebody. That'll, that'll make you start shelving your dreams. Look at Joseph. God gives him a dream about, about ruling and reigning. And here he is in a pit about to be sold into slavery. You talk about believing his dream was dead. What happens when your dream dies? What do you do when your dream dies? How could it be the best place to be that I feel like I can't dream anymore? And I've closed the door and I have no dreams in my life. Write this in your notes. When your dream dies, God's dreams can awaken. When your dream dies, the problem with us, the problem with me is I put my dream on life support hoping to resurrect something that was all about me to begin with. And I waste 20, 30, 40 years of my productive life giving my dream CPR, trying to bring it back instead of letting it die and saying, God, what could you awaken on the inside of me? I'm going to talk really harsh for about 20 seconds, so buckle up. Everybody, it's going to get bumpy for just a moment. But i got to tell you, that's why I really believe with all of my heart. Anybody that's ever left you, they weren't for you. If they could leave you, they weren't supposed to be in your future and in your destiny. Don't chase down what God has chased away. 
Don't try to do CPR on something God has already killed. If the, if the thing is dead, if the dream is dead, say, okay, God, that one didn't live. That one's dead. But you're going to awaken something on the inside of me that's bigger, something that's greater, something I could have never dreamed in my own. <laughs> God has. You say, how does God give you dreams? I'll show you. Psalms 37 and 4 says it like this. If you'll delight yourself in the Lord. Now, this word delight doesn't mean get yourself happy. That's part of it. <laughs> but delight literally means if you'll make yourself pliable, flexible. Where's all my control freaks at? Where are you at? You're easy to spot. You're easy. You, you actually put somebody else's hand up. Your hand's up. Your hand's up. Put your hand up. Yeah, the, all the control freaks, yeah. Not very flexible. Come on, everybody. Hey, I is one. I got two hands up, okay? But the, this word delight literally means to be pliable in God's hands. To say, okay, God, I'm not going to keep trying to resuscitate this dream. I'm going to delight myself. I'm going to be pliable and moldable. And I'm going I'm I'm to surrender to you. And when you do, listen, then God will give you the desires of your heart. Now, this word give in, in the Hebrew, they translated it two different ways. Same word in English, two different meanings in Hebrew. The first one is God will grant you the desires of your heart. The second one and the one most applicable in this particular passage is God puts or places, he gives you the desires of your heart. If you'll go to God and say, okay, God, my plan didn't work. My dream's already dead. Nothing worked out the way I thought it was going to. But I'm going to surrender it to you and delight myself in God. God says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put some dreams on the inside of you that were bigger and greater and more incredible and more world-changing and kingdom-shaking than you could have ever dreamed possible. Shout amen to that. God gives you the dreams of your heart. God places them in there. The ones that sound crazy. The ones that expand God's kingdom big. Not dreams for you. Dreams for Him. Not dreams about a new truck. Not dreams about a white picket fence and a ranch. Not dreams about a lake. Not dreams about more money. Not dreams about getting married. Not dreams about getting divorced. But that's another message. But dreams that are God-sized, stuff that you can't imagine, stuff that where God teaches you to trust Him against insurmountable odds, stuff that's bigger than you are, stuff that's great. The Bible said that it's bigger, it's greater than we could ever ask or even imagine. In other words, there's some stuff that God wants you to walk into in your destiny that you could have never dreamed up on your own. It can be better than you could have ever dreamed. You can have a better marriage than you've ever dreamed. You can have a better job than you've ever dreamed. You can have more blessing in your life than you've ever dreamed. You can have a better relationship with your kids and your parents and your family than you've ever dreamed. God says, I want to put something on the inside of you you never thought possible. And I'll show it to you in a New Testament story about Lazarus. If you're new to the Bible, Jesus is friends with these three siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus, he gets very sick. Lazarus gets very sick. And word gets to Jesus, Lazarus is very sick. I mean like he's in the ICU very sick. And this is where we pick up the story. Somebody goes to Jesus and says, hey, your friend who you love is very sick. And John eleven four 4 says it like this. When he heard this, Jesus said, 
This sickness will not end in death. I want you to underline this in your Bible. This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. You mean to tell me he's sick for God? That's exactly what I mean. You mean to tell me this problem came in my life for God? That's right. You mean to tell me that God's going to get glory out of this heartache I'm in? That's right. You mean I lost that position at, at, at work and somehow God's going to get glory? That's right. You mean the door closed in this particular arena and I, 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 can't ever, I can't ever seem to get ahead right there and God's going to get glory out of that? Right. Write this in your notes. God's glory and your comfort don't always go hand in hand. God's glory and your comfort don't always go hand in hand. Lazarus is sick. And Jesus said, it's going to be not to death. And more than that, God's going to get glory out of it. Now Jesus loved Martha. This is verse 5. And her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, the Bible said, he stayed where he was two more days. I think that's funny. I don't know if you read the Bible and think stuff's funny, but I do. I think stuff's really funny in the Bible. Like, Jesus loves me so much, he stayed here two more days while I was sick. Like, I love you so much, but I'm not going to miss golf on Friday. Come on, somebody. Like, I love you, but, I mean, where are you going to go? You're in the ICU. You know what I mean? You're going to be all right. You know, I'm literally. Matter of fact, one in the, new, the, the King James Version says it like this. Jesus says, Lazarus is sick and I am glad. I think that's funny. I'm glad. Why are you so glad? Because there's some stuff that God can't reveal to you until you get sick enough, down enough, broke enough, lost enough, alone enough, by yourself enough, at the bottom enough that you realize God is all I have. So he stays Two more days. Now, I got a lot to tell you about how dangerous it is for you to believe that the gospel is all about God owing you stuff. Let me clear up really quickly some misconception. The 21st century gospel is all about me. Jesus died for me. He loves me. He's going to help me. He's going to save me. He's going to make me happy. He's going to bring me glory. He's going to praise me, magnify me, exalt me. And he's not. <laughs> Jesus died to save you so that you could bring him glory. All that God does isn't for your glory, it's for His. It, it'll change your whole life and your whole Christianity if you'll start phrasing the bad parts of your life that they weren't for me, they were for God to get glory out of my life. And so God says, I'm going to get glory. Quit, quit trying to figure out and understand why and just give glory to God in the middle of it. That's why I always tell you, worship doesn't get you out of your problem, but it does get you through your problem. Because in the middle of my problem, I go, God, I don't understand why all of this is breaking down. But I'm going to give God glory in the middle of it. God's going to get honor in the middle of it. I'm going to worship God in the middle of it. Not because it, not, listen, not because, not because it feels good to me. But because God needs to get glory out of the, every area of my life. So, so Jesus hears. And then, and then he waits two days. Verse 17, John eleven seventeen. 17. 
And on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, I'm not a math major, but he hears about it. He waits two days. Lazarus has already been in the tomb four days. When they told him he was just sick, not dead, it's probably been six days. (laughs) You ever met somebody who was chronically late? Jesus is six days late. (laughs) They just can't get, oh, is that it? Oh, my gosh, I can't. So y'all do church every Sunday? I forgot it was Sunday. I I get so confused. So many people get really confused about church being every Sunday, but... Anyways, so Lazarus has been dead, and Martha, his sister, is mad. Maybe you know what it's like to look at a dead dream, a dying marriage, a business shuttered, a foreclosure notice, divorce papers, a pink slip. Martha's angry. And she said to Jesus, if you'd have shown up on time, my brother wouldn't have died. If, 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 if I wouldn't have married her, I think I could have really made something of my life. If my daddy hadn't have died, then, then I would have had a better chance at life. If my mom hadn't have left us, then I would have had a better chance. Whatever your Lazarus is, you know. If you'd have been here on time, if you'd have fixed this, Jesus... And he wouldn't have died. She's mad and she's hurt. Really, we're kind of left at a conundrum as a believer because Jesus had said, I read it to you, you underlined it, that this sickness is not unto death. But he, King James says, he stinketh. (laughs) Okay, he'd been in there four days. He stinketh. You know what I'm saying? He's gone. 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 Dead. So we have a problem. Either Jesus is a liar or his definition of death and our definition of death are two different things. Maybe it's such that um, you feel like it's broken and God feels like it's just right for a miracle. You may feel like a failure and God says, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to redeem all of that failure in your life. You may feel lonely and God says, no, 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 I'm with you always. I, I never left you. You may feel like it's death and Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't think it's the same as you think. The truth of the matter is your dream has to die so that his dream can live. Your dream has to die. I told you, if you were in the, if you feel like your dreams are dead, you're in the best place today. Because if, if they die, Martha does something so unique. Now, now she's angry still, and she's hurt still. But Martha does what I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment. She doesn't get bitter. She allows herself to get mad for a moment, and then says, "Okay, now I'm going to put my faith back in you because I believe in you." I don't, listen, I wish I had time to preach this to you, especially church people. I don't have faith in the outcomes. I have faith in you. Faith in the outcome says if God doesn't do what I want him to do, then he's a failure. But faith in God says even if you don't do what I thought you should do, my faith is in you. Right? 
So Martha has this realization. She says, okay, wasn't the outcome I thought it was going to be, but my faith is in you. Verse 22. But I know that even now, she says, Martha says, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask him. Oh, boy. Now Martha says, hey, 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 my dream's dead in the tomb, but you may have a different plan. God, my dream's over with. God, my dream's dead. God, I don't know how this is going to work, but I trust you. And today, I want you in the room today and everybody at Church Online to hear loud and clear. Just because it's dead here doesn't mean it's dead there. Just because it's dead in the natural. Just because I don't see it. Just because it doesn't make sense. It's not what I want. It's what you want, God. It's not what I see with my natural eyes. But Jesus, maybe you see something else. It's not what I have planned it's what you have planned it's not what I dreamed it's what you dreamed and her dream has now died out and she puts it in Jesus hands and says I tell you what God will give you whatever it is you ask and Jesus says to her your dreams your brother will rise again she wanted a healing he wanted a resurrection Listen, if you'll give it to God, it will always be bigger than you could have ever possibly imagined. In your hands, it's just a healing. In His hands, it's a resurrection. <laughs> In your heart, it's just temporal. And, 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 and just he, Lazarus could have got sick again. In your hands, it's just a little bit. In His hands, it's more than enough. In your hands, you don't see how it's going to all come together. In His hands, it's a miraculous resurrection of something dead. In your hands, you feel like, man, I don't know, God. This just seems too much. But when you put it in His hand, God goes, there's nothing for me. I can do above and beyond anything you could ask or imagine. And the dream of healing becomes the dream of resurrection. So how do you dream again? I got four minutes to teach it to you. Write this down. Number one, if you want to dream again, you got to yield your dreams to God. You got to give your dreams to God. God has bigger plans for you than you have for you. I know you think going to college is a big plan. I know you think owning your own home is a big plan. But God doesn't want to just give you your own home. He wants to give you land big enough you can build a home for your in-laws to live in. Hang on. He wants to fix the relationship with your in-laws so that you want to build them a home and give you land built enough for them to live in. God even wants to make you like your (laughs) in-laws. You can dream for you. Or you can listen to God dreams for you. You got to yield. Dreams are the language of God. Somebody tell one time God God spoke to me audibly, and I believe him. I, I, if you told me that, I, I would believe you. I think God does speak audibly, but most often God doesn't speak audibly because I don't think we're able to contain that. I don't even know if humans. Uh, generally speaking, could handle the audible voice of God. God's so big, he told Moses. Moses said, I want to see you. If I'm going to go lead these people to the promised land, I want to see you. God says, you can't even handle seeing me. Read it for yourself. Uh, This is another funny part of the Bible. God tells Moses, you go sit in a cave and I'm going to pass by you. And the King James Version said, he shows Moses his hinder parts. (laughs) That's in your Bible. God tells Moses, you can't handle looking at my face. I'm going to show you my rear end. That's what he says. It's in your Bible. Read it for yourself. 
So you keep asking for a word from God and God's putting dreams on the... That's how God... Dreams are the language of God. You, you, you may feel like, God, you've never spoken to me. Oh yeah, if He's put dreams in you, He's speaking to you. you got to dream God-sized dreams. you got to yield your dreams to God. And it begs this question. Listen, are you prepared for God's extraordinary vision for your life to intersect with your ordinary life? Are you prepared? The re- Let me tell you what church is all about. The re- I told you this last week. The church is an opportunity. It's a chance. It's a, it's a preparation. All, all that I do every single week, the reason why you need to be in church, the reason why church is so valuable is because it's preparing you for God's extraordinary vision to intersect with your ordinary life. That it's something that I say or something during worship or something during prayer time or something during 21 days, there's an intersection where you suddenly you've released your dreams to God and God's dream starts beating on the inside of you. There's an intersection there. God's dreams always have existed. They just intersect with your life. Are you prepared? Are you in a place where you can receive dreams? You got to yield to God. And then number two is you got to yield to the process. You got to yield to the process. Write that in your notes. You got to yield to the process. I don't think that yielding your dreams to God are as hard. As yielding to the process. I think the hardest thing I do as a pastor is to look into the eyes of a wife who's hurting. A mother who's broken. A husband who's lost it all. I I rarely have to convince you to yield to God. I always have to convince you to yield to the process. God Yielded to the process. The Bible says he took six days for all of creation. You think, it, you think it took God six days? No. But there's a process. He said, I gotta have light and darkness first and separate them. Then I gotta have land that's dry and water and separate them. Then I can put animals and fish and birds. Are you with me? There's a process to create. And the God of the Bible is the God of process. And you got to yield to the process. Most people like the promise. But listen to me. I'm going to shake you up right here. You ready? Process and promise are the same thing. What if the journey is the destination? What if the process is the promise? What if there is no end goal? What if the working, the praying, the following, the searching, the seeking, the walking out your faith, what if that is the promise that God has for you? What if there is no when I get there? What if, I, I, I like to say it um, this way. What if these are the good old days? What if you don't wait to have that relationship with your kids? What if you don't wait to call that estranged parent? Mom, Dad, Father's Day is a great day. It's me. What if if the process, you you say, God, I thought you were going to do that. No, no, no. God's going to do His part, but you've got a part to play. I'll show it to you. This is the hardest thing I have to pass through people. I'm telling you, bar none, hardest part of my job is to get you to yield to the process. 
I can convince you that Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead. But watch this. John eleven thirty eight. 38. Jesus is deeply moved again and he goes to the tomb. And it was a cave with a stone laid across it. And Jesus says to Martha, you take away the stone. Let me ask you. Can Jesus roll away stones, yes or no? Then why didn't he roll this one away? Because you got a part to play. Because you got to yield to the process. I'll go further than that. Lazarus comes out. The Bible says he's wrapped up in clothes. He's wrapped a mummy. They've wrapped him all the way up. In Jewish tradition, they wrapped him all the way up. And the Bible says, he says to loose him and let him go. I mean, like the original skinny jeans, okay? Your boy's all wrapped up tight. <laughs> I mean, like... And he tells the people around, he says, loose him and let him go. Side note, the reason why I want you in a small group, the reason why I talk about it so much, the reason why you need to get in a small group today, this week, is because Jesus can raise you from the dead, but other people have to unwind you from all of that bondage. <laughs> God can resurrect you. People tend to your needs. They help you unwind. You got to yield to the process. Martha, I'll do my part. Bigger than you ever thought possible. But you got to do yours. Today, you got a part to play. Today, I want you to hear that God has a dream for you. You've got a purpose. You're a champion. You're a child of the Most High God. You're a man of God. You're a woman of faith. You're a good father. You're an amazing mom. You're a great spouse. You're a good kid. you got a part to play. You've got greatness on the inside of you. But you got to yield your dreams. Some of them may have to die. So that God could put His dream on the inside. You may have to attend the funeral of a few of your own dreams. So that God can resurrect some stuff that He always had planned for you. You may have to work a little bit. You may have to roll the stone away yourself. You may have to go to counseling. You may you, you, you may have to read. You may have to get in a small group. You may need you need to go to Freedom this fall. I, the only small group I'm encouraging every person to be in in this church is Freedom. We're going to host more Freedom groups than we ever have because the devil has had us bound up for too long. And in Jesus' name, I want to help you unravel all of that stuff that's bound you up and got you all. I got to I got to get you free, 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 free. You got to you got a role to play. You got you got to yield to the process, and you can dream. Again. Bow your heads and close your eyes. I preached a little long, but I got to pray. You know what? Before I pray, nobody's looking around. Nobody's moving but our team very quickly and quietly. Nobody's looking. If this message is for you, if you'd say, Pastor, I know what that's like. I feel like I'm living with a dead dream. And I, I feel like I didn't know. I thought it was going to be a healing. I thought it was going to be a this. And and and. Now it looks like God's got other plans, and I'm, I'm ready to surrender to that. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, include me in this final prayer. I see you. I see you. I see you in the back. I see you. I see couples with their hands raised. I see men of God with their hands raised and tears falling down saying, that's me. I thought it was going to go different. I see you. Sir, I see you. 
Yeah, I see you. All right. If this is for you, I want you to pray like you've never prayed before. Lord Jesus, I surrender. I'm not going to keep giving my dreams CPR. I'm not going to keep trying to resurrect and, and keep alive something that you're trying to let die. I, I'm ready for a God dream. I'm ready for a God-sized vision in my life. I've been living too small, too limited. I thought it was all about me and my stuff and what I could accomplish in my own strength. But God, you've been dreaming bigger dreams for me since before I was born. You had a bigger plan. My dream got me here, broken, addicted, messed up, divorced, alone, heartbroken, busted. So I'm not going I'm not going to keep trying to resurrect that. I'm just going to give it to you. I'm going to yield my dreams to God and I'm going to yield to the process. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. You say, Pastor, what's the process? I'm glad you asked. It starts in the spiritual. It's always spiritual. It's always, it starts with your heart, but you got to work it out of the natural. So this moment, this supernatural moment where you can surrender and repent, give your heart to Jesus, but you got to walk it out. You got to get in a group. You got to get on a team where other men and other women and other believers can check on you, pray for you, encourage you, unwrap you. You may have to roll some stones away. You may have to do the hard work and go to counseling. And you may have to. You may have to get rid of some friends, some influences, some people. God, I've been thinking this was about healing, and all along you had resurrection. I couldn't even dream that. So in Jesus' name, come on, pray like this. Father, I yield to the process. I give myself to the process. God, I'm going to go all in with God. God, I've been on the fence for a long time playing church. I'm done with that. God, I'm going to yield to the process. Maybe hurtful, maybe hard, maybe heavy. But on the other side of this stone is a resurrected dream. On the other side of me rolling away this stone is the power of the resurrection in my life. And I'm ready to receive that dream today. So I yield to God. And I yield to the process. I'm going to dream again. In Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.